What is up, guys? This is LePay Ball back again with, I don't know, we're in somewhere in the 20s now, mid-20s, I think, in episodes. I, hey, good I for know, us. I know, I wasn't, it's, it's kind of, it takes longer, because it's like one per week, so that's a lot of weeks. But, here with Sam, as always. What's up, Sam? How you doing, buddy? It's, uh, it's another week of NBA basketball down. Um, we're still very early in the season, so there's still not a... A whole lot of storylines that are mind blowing, but you know what? There's some people that are injured, some people coming back from injuries to talk about, some people having some big weeks. But I mean, it's going to be a fun show as always. No, yeah, we didn't really have to do a, a lot of a lot of planning for this one because I think we just watched enough NBA to where in the season I you just know what's going on and you don't really have to research it or talk about it. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up to you though, right off the bat, and I think everybody is talking about this: uh, Steph Curry. That's it. I, everybody should know what I'm referencing. He's just going off. I think 62 against your Blazers. Yay. He had a little bit of a slow game the next game, I think. And then he's back at it with just, I think, 38 on – was that – that was last night. That was last night against the Clippers in a, a big win. Sam, do you – I mean, obviously you have to like the way he's playing right now. I mean, you can't really – I mean, how can I not? He's playing out of his out of his mind. Um, Curry over the last four games, starting with um, the victory over the My Trail Blazers, unfortunately, Curry put up, as we know, an impressive sixty-two in that ball game. That really doesn't even tell the full story of the week, though. It's after the comments that were made by Dame Lillard and some other people about Steph having to carry the team on his own and do his own thing. Well, he's gone out and kind of done that. He's gone. Three and three and one, excuse me, in this last week. He put up 62 points in the first game, a casual 30. I say that because with the streak that he's been on, it hasn't been that crazy. A 30-point game, followed that up with a tough outing against the Clippers for 13, but immediately went back, redid the damage done in that ball game, and came out with 38 points, 11 assists, two rebounds, three fouls in 36 minutes. I don't know what more to really say besides when he wants to be, and he wants to be quite often, Steph Curry is an unmatchable force at that position, doing what he does, and I think that we saw it on full display. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think he's he still is, I know some people would say Dame, but I still think Curry is the best point guard in the league. It is close, but... I also wanted to add about the the Clippers game we're only at 13. I mean, I'm looking at the ESPN thing for it here. When you have a highlight of Nick Batum as the leading highlight of the game, you know nobody played well. So I don't think that's a huge concern. Uh, just why? Why ESPN? I don't want to watch Nick Batum hit a floater. I don't care. I don't care. Nick Batum's saucy with it. You don't, you I, don't want to see Nick no, Batum go up there? I, I don't. Just from all the times I've played 2K and had to deal with his stupid contract just when he was on the Hornets, I just it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. But, Sam, so let's say the Warriors right now, they're, uh, they're fifth in the West. I mean, it's really crammed in the West. I mean, there's a lot. Well, when you've played between six and ten games every single team, it's going to be probably pretty close. Well, yeah, I mean – that's that's to be expected. But say let's say they hover around there, 7-8, like we predicted. They make the playoffs. Do you think Steph Curry can win the MVP if he continues 
not necessarily to play like this, but I, I don't know. Just say 29-30 a game, six assists. Do you think he could win the MVP out in like an eight seed or a seven seed? I think he could. I'm not saying that I necessarily believe he should, but I think that he definitely could. I think Steph Curry, number one, has a lot, a lot of name value. I don't think there's a lot that we can say like besides that. He's such a well-recognized force within the NBA, within the sport of basketball, that it's going to be pretty, pretty difficult to say comfortably, no, he's out, he's not going to be in this race, he's not going to be somebody who's at all a part of this, because that's just not true. The truth of the matter is, is that Steph Curry, as long as he is breathing, as long as he has a pulse, as long as he is putting up the deep ball the way we know he can, he is going to be a problem in the, in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't. I I think you got to be a top three seed to win an MVP at this point. I mean, like I know Westbrook won it a few years ago, and his team was a six seed, but that that was that was a little bit different. That was because he triple doubled, like nobody had triple doubled in quite a long time. Yeah, so I think that's a bit of an outlier. I think that you have to be on a good team to win an MVP, unless you're just going bananas every night. Um. But, I don't know. I think he's definitely going to be in the race all year. I mean, especially if he keeps playing like he does. Um, Sam, another another thought. Who, who in your mind is the MVP leader right now? I know it's two, three weeks into the season. But it's always, I mean, it's fun to speculate. Well, yes, this is a, a tough one. Mostly because, I mean, I obviously want to go with the answer that I gave before the season started. Kevin Durant, he is averaging 28 points a game playing some pretty good basketball. But, I mean, there is a bunch of other guys out there who I think are more than more than capable of winning the award. I think that Kyrie Irving, even though he's on the exact same team as Kevin Durant, he's also been playing out of his mind basketball. He's been playing very, very well. Let's not forget, the leader in points this season is Bradley Beal. He plays on a terrible team, so no, he will not win the MVP. But 35 points a ballgame for Bradley Beal, that is really Really, really impressive. Another, there's been so many guys who've just been so outstanding this season. I think Dame Lillard's been having a, quietly a very, very good year. 27 points a game coming out early, and that includes a couple of very questionable ball games that he had the first week of the season. James Harden also. Let's not forget he is leading the league in assists right now at 11.3 a game. James Harden again, maybe not a great team, but he is playing some great, great basketball. Honestly, though. If I had to give an early runner, an early leader in the clubhouse for MVP award, well, I'd have to go with somebody who played on a team that you were a big fan of last season. Chris Paul has gotten the Phoenix Suns to second in the West right now. They're sitting at 6-3. and three. Chris Paul has... Maybe not done every single little thing statistically the way that you might assume an MVP would, but averaging 8.3 assists a ball game along with 13 points. He's doing everything that team needs him to do. He's also come up so big in the clutch so many times. Chris Paul, again, not sure he's ended up coming away with the award, but goodness gracious, he deserves an all-star bid. He deserves every accolade that could come his way. Because, my goodness, he's had such an impressive career. And then to go to Phoenix and do what he's done there, it's been truly impressive to watch. 
An interesting pick, one that I I would not have guessed, but a a fair pick nonetheless. I think I'm I'm kind of torn between two two centers actually right now. Uh, I'm kind of torn between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, two guys that have played insanely well for their respective teams. I mean, I know Denver's sitting at three and five right now. I do think that's going to change, especially when you get a game against Philadelphia that has quite a few guys missing because of COVID. Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, to name a couple, but. Nikola Jokic right now is averaging 25.9 points a game on 57% shooting, 11.6 rebounds a game, which is the lead he leads his team. He leads his team in both those categories. And 10.9 assists. So he is averaging a triple-double right now. I don't know if that will be sustained, but I, I do think he is playing at a very high level in all facets of the game. And Joel Embiid, a little under 25 a game, 11.8 rebounds a game. Uh... He's just looked really good and really dominant at times for this team. I I know the whole COVID thing might affect his his statistics a little bit, but uh, you know, I mean, I think both of those guys deserve to be in that discussion. Uh, I'm looking at the Kia NBA MVP ladder, and they have Demontis Sabonis on here at eight, so that's pretty impressive for him to even be on there. At he's been having a great season. He's been playing so well. Like he has shown. Absolute shades of his father, who if you haven't seen Arvita Sabonis highlights, go watch them. They are really, really incredible to see. He was one of the first versatile big men. But DeMontis has played such good basketball. You've got the stats in front of you, so let you read them off. But he has been a terror, both inside offensively and defensively. No, yeah, I, 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 I really appreciate. I think I really appreciate the love he's been getting because I, I think if you had told me coming into the season that Demontis Sabonis was going to be a playing as well as he did, I would have thought you were lying. But I mean, the dude's averaging twenty to twenty point eight points a game, eleven point four rebounds, six point four assists. He's got he. Where's the blocks? Oh, it's only point six blocks a game. That's a little bit disappointing. But I mean, you have Miles Turner in your team, averaging four a game. You can't really you're there's He's yeah, easy. There's up. not really that of blocks you're gonna get. But yes, yeah, Sabonis has played pretty well. I mean, Paul George is up there, I think. I think he's playing well. I mean, I don't NBA has him as the Kia MVP ladder has him as three. I think that's way too high. Uh for, especially even if it's right now. They just I I don't get that. Well never doubt never doubt the capabilities of regular season P. Regular season P can go off on any night. Yeah, I think that can often be forgotten, but uh I don't know. Playoff P just kind of sours that for me. Having experienced two editions of Playoff P, uh, yeah, yeah, gonna have to dislike. Here's another guy who deserves maybe an All Star nod. I don't think an MVP nod, but probably an All Star nod. Who plays on that same Indiana Pacers team? Malcolm Brogdon is averaging twenty three point six points and seven assists a game. Malcolm Brogdon is averaging 23.6 points and 7 assists a game in 37 minutes of play. This is... Malcolm Brogdon is doing this. Excuse my surprise, but when you ask me who's a 23-7 and guy, Malcolm Brogdon does not come to mind. But he has played so incredibly well. For an Indiana Pacers team, which is second in the Eastern Conference, that's worth taking a look at. The chemistry that those guys have, the young team that they have, 
I remember at one point we were saying, yeah, Indiana could be a halfway interesting team. They could be a little bit of fun to watch play. They're a lot of fun. Malcolm Brogdon, Aaron Holiday, and Justin Holiday together, Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, Doug McDermott, Victor Oladipo, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, TJ Warren. This is a fun team. This is a talented team. The Indiana Pacers could be a team to watch here moving forward. I think I think they often play well in the regular season at times, but I still I don't know if I would trust this team in a playoff scenario because I just seem to always be disappointed by them in, in the playoffs. But with that being said, I, I do think it's worth noting that they're second in the East right now at 6-2, and two, and they're playing pretty well. Uh, Sam, this will be a pretty quick segment here we have for this week's edition of Harden Watch. Uh, James Harden is still in Houston. Haven't heard anything else. He is still in Houston. Um, one rumor that I heard this week was that Houston turned down a trade deal from the Brooklyn Nets that included um, Chris LeVert and Jared Allen and another one of their... It might have been Dinwiddie. Might have been Dinwiddie. But I'd just like to run that past you. What do you think about that trade move? I think that, honestly, it had a little bit of potential to it. Maybe you throw a draft pick in there, but... I'm kind of surprised that Houston would look at that package and think no. Yeah, I think I think Houston, uh, I I I would honestly take that because you get the starting backcourt, not necessarily of the future, but you get one that is younger than John Wall and James Harden right now, and I think if they were to play with Christian Wood, that would be a pretty interesting team. Maybe add a couple more pieces in there through the draft or whatever. That would not be a, a bad team. I think that, especially if Christian Wood continues playing the way he has, um, I think that could be an interesting team. And especially adding Jared Allen, too. Uh, but uh, you got to, I don't know. There's, there's going to just, I mean, James Harden's contract is going to have to run up at some point, even if you don't trade him, or he's going to start maybe sitting out. I think there's a time limit they have. And I wouldn't want to have a mad James Harden because it seemed from the stuff I've heard, James Harden has basically ran the culture there for the past almost ten years. Ever since he got there, they just let him do whatever he wants. And I, I don't think you want to make the guy who just stomps all over the organization mad and continuously mad because he is your team right now. I mean, Christian Wood is good. I mean, I know they have pieces, John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, but. James Harden is the guy. James Harden is one of the top ten, maybe even top five players in the game right now. And I, I wouldn't want to have that guy really mad and really steaming and really just not playing, especially after the way you guys have just babied him for the past eight, nine years. So I I don't I, I would try to I would have taken that. Maybe if they throw a couple picks in, whatever. I don't I don't know why you want the Brooklyn Nets picks. They're not gonna do anything they're not going to really mean anything they're going to be extremely low in the first round for the next few years uh but i don't i that's an offer that doesn't make sense to me why you turn it down i think that's a solid offer i think it's a solid offer too i think honestly um if we're looking at the packages that every team can put together who wants him which at this point we know to be miami boston brooklyn Mm -hmm. Portland, and um, Philly. I'm looking at those packages. That Brooklyn package is one of the stronger ones that I think can be sent over. I think that a Portland package centered around CJ McCollum is very enticing. I think a Miami package based around 
perhaps Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero is very interesting. But that Brooklyn offer, I'm I'm truthfully not sure how much better you could hope for besides that. There's not going to be a whole lot of teams, I think, who have the depth of talent that Brooklyn does who are going to be willing to ship as much of it away for a guy like Harden as Brooklyn will. Yeah, and I think that move from a Brooklyn perspective, it's just totally – you have no depth at that point. It is just you have three guys and DeAndre Jordan starting at center in the year 2021. Uh, I – I mean, you got if you want James Harden that badly, you got to do that trade. But I, I don't know. I might like to have depth down the road. I mean, I know James Harden is a top five, top ten player, but depth is really underrated, especially when it comes to talking about these star trades. Like you're gonna have to give up a ton of depth, and is is the ceiling that much higher with James Harden and no depth? Sam, if would you rather have a, the team they have right now or? Let's let me pull up their roster really quick. Let me let me pull it up because I wanna I wanna throw this trade offer out to you and make it very official and so you know what you're working with here. So you you're the GM of the Brooklyn Nets right now, okay? Or the coach. Or you're you're okay. Steve Nash. Cool. Um gosh, it takes forever to get to places in this ESPN app. Okay, so you do you got you got this trade offer on the table. Um you're giving up Jared Allen. Karis LeVert, and injured Spencer Dinwiddie, but Spencer Dinwiddie nonetheless. And was there any other pieces in that that I'm forgetting? Or is... Not that I remember. It was those three guys. Okay, so then your team is essentially, if you make this trade, your team is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris. Three-point champion. I mean, I'm not saying that as a knock, but he he's probably your best bench player. Uh Timothy Luabu Luabu Lu, Timothy Luwalu Cabro, Tar- who's been playing. Decent. No, he has he is, but he is your one of your better bench players at this point. You got Tarian Prince, who probably would start. I mean, maybe uh, uh, Jeff Green, Landry Shamit, DeAndre Jordan. And that's about it. That's your team. You don't have a backup center right now. You'd have to go get one. Uh, would you do that deal for James Harden, to add James Harden to that team? You know what? I might, just because you're guaranteed at least an Eastern Conference final spot. If you have those three, if you have Irving, Harden, and Durant, that's three of the top ten players in the NBA. You are going to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Finals. So I would do it. It's because, look it, you've got Kevin Durant, who, let's not uh, pretend he was drafted in 2008. Kyrie Irving, drafted in, I believe, 2011 or 12. And James Harden, 09. There's a clock ticking there. All of these guys who were drafted in the 2000s, it's the 2020s now. There's a new, there's a, there's a clock ticking here. Got to be careful of it. I think that if I am Brooklyn, that's a move I make. If I'm, let me just go through team by team. If I'm Brooklyn and that deal that you gave me is on the table, I'm taking it. Because of something you like to talk about all the time, timeline. They're an older team. They're a very good team, but they're an older team. They need to win sooner rather than later. 
the Miami Heat, for example, I think that they can afford to wait. Afford to let Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and those guys develop a little bit more. They've got such a great young nucleus, and they got such good experience in the bubble. Why not just let it ride and let them do their thing over time? Yeah, you've got Jimmy Butler, who's a little bit older, but Jimmy Butler still is an ancient, and he is a great veteran leader. Now, let's move on to Boston. Boston is another team that I think has so much talent, they don't necessarily need to make a move. It's also young enough that they don't need to make a move. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, the young star Peyton Pritchard, and so many other talented, talented ball players there in Boston, they don't really need to necessarily make a move right now because they're set up to be successful for probably the next five to ten years. Boston doesn't need to immediately make that move. If they become a title contender, they already are, but they would become the leading title contender tomorrow if they did it. But I still don't know if they necessarily have to. Moving on now, we go to Philly. Philly? I think it makes sense. I think James Harden to Philly has made sense this whole time. Now, I'll let you propose a trade if you would like. See what kind of pieces Philly would have to get rid of. But if you're telling me that they can keep Joel Embiid and either Harris or Simmons, because you're getting rid of one of them. But if you can hold on to the other one and create a big three with Harden, that's dangerous. I I think you'd want to dump Harris in that situation. So I'll, I'll throw you an offer here. So let's say for James Harden, you get Tobias Harris. Now, see, the Sixers don't have a ton of good young pieces. And I think that's the, that might be what's holding back a potential deal there. Is They have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I mean Matisse Thybul. He's good, but I, I wouldn't want him to be the center, a young centerpiece of a deal. Um, no. So you'd probably have to give up James Harden. I, 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 I can't even give you an offer. There's just not a lot I can give you here. I mean, I can give you Tyrese Maxey, who's a rookie and played nine total games. And Furkan Korksmas, I, I guess. He's 23. So, okay, let's say that from a Philly perspective, the trade wouldn't work. Mostly because they don't have the pieces that you would need to get a guy like that. Let's just say that for now. Yes, you could package Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons together, but then you're pretty much, I think, netting yourself out to about the same level of talent. Let's say that Philly won't work. Let's say that the leading contenders right now are Brooklyn, then Boston, then Miami. Because I think that Boston has a better, has more depth and a better chance of making a deal than Miami does. Who's left? Portland? Uh yeah. What's Portland gonna what's Portland gonna offer? Portland will offer and I'm I'm trying to step back and not be a Blazer fan here. I'm trying to really take a I'm referring to them in the third person, I'm not trying to claim the team right now. Let's look at Portland. Portland could in my opinion, if I'm let's say that okay, I'll be Neil O'Shea. You can be the general manager of the Rockets whose name is escaping me at the moment. Not Daryl Morey. We'll just call him that not terrible more great so you have james harden who wants out who is well i I don't want to say he's not prioritizing basketball because he is he's still going out and putting up great numbers but he might not be what you want for your locker room which i think is a fair thing to say especially if you're houston at this point if i'm giving you 
C.J. McCollum, a guy who's been a borderline all-star this year. Just this year alone, but this year a borderline all-star. As well as a a young, improving... This is where it gets tricky. Because you know you have to include at least two, three bench pieces. The one guy I wouldn't want to get rid of if I was Portland would, would be Trent Jr. Because I think he does have the highest ceiling out of all of their bench guys. Even if it is just being a gnarly 3 and D guy in the league. that You still need the gnarly 3 and D guys. So let's say for now I want to package uh, a young scorer in Ant Simons. Who is unproven. But when given the green light, can go out and put up 30 points for you. A young, again, it's tricky here. A young Zach Collins, I'd be willing to split with. Seven foot guy, athletic, can hit the deep ball. And then this is where it gets tricky for Portland fans because you're either going to have to package a bunch of picks or you're going to have to get rid of one of the players you just recently brought in. In my opinion, that looks like Derek Jones Jr., even though I really like what he has brought defensively to Portland. If I'm giving you that offer, what is going to have to be adjusted for you to take it? I, I think the only piece that really sticks out to me right now is Gary Trent Jr., just because I he doesn't fit your guys' timeline as much. I mean, I, I know you like him a lot. I'm sure a lot of Portland fans do. Like He's, he's a good bench player. He's your fourth-leading scorer. I got to have him, though, because he is the only piece yeah. that really – like, I obviously, you have to give him McCollum in this deal as well. Like, McCollum is gone at this point. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of a given. And I, I, I think that deal works well from a Houston perspective because you get McCollum, who can keep you relatively competitive right now with – I mean, you got you got John Wall, you got Christian Wood, you got a bunch of other guys there. I think it can work if you add McCollum. Um, but I, I – I think that team could still sneak into the playoffs if they had McCollum. No, yeah, they are they're not a title contender by any means, but they're they're definitely a playoff contender. Um but I, I think I would need Gary Trent Jr. because he is the most attractive young piece Portland has had in a while, I think. And you can you could try and offer Zach Collins and Simon. I think Simon's a little bit more attractive than Collins right now. I think I'm not I'm not a huge Collins fan if I'm looking at this deal and thinking long term. I don't think Collins is going to be a focal piece of the Houston Rockets in five years. I, I think Simons has a better chance. I think Gary Trent Jr. has a much better chance of being – I could see Gary Trent Jr. being a starter on the the Rockets five years from now. But, yeah, you'd have to give me – I'd probably trade uh, – you'd have to switch Zach Collins for Gary Trent Jr. and then – Maybe add Derek Jones Jr., like you said. Maybe a couple picks. Uh, I think I would do that. So let's now rank each potential James Harden spot. And I like that we turn the short segment into a long segment. Let's rank each of the potential places we could see Gary Trent, uh, not Gary Trent Jr., excuse me, James Harden end up landing. Um, one through five, because we have Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, and Portland. Where do you think he's most likely to land? I'll start. I still think he's most likely to end up in Brooklyn. Yeah, I I think Brooklyn has the pieces to get it done. They have 
a young backcourt they could ship out, even though Dinwiddie's injured. I mean, that doesn't really. I don't think that concerns the Rockets at this point. Like he's, you're gonna, you're looking at the future, and that's fine. So I think, I think Brooklyn is the most likely, just because there are two guys there who really want him. They have the pieces to get it done. Um, I think it just depends on Houston at that point, and I, I, th- I think I want this too is tough. I. I might say Miami right now, just because I think even though they might not want to get it done as much to Philadelphia, I think they have more pieces that they are willing to part with in order to do that. I, I don't think they'll give up Bam. I don't think they need to give up Bam, necessarily. They don't have to. I think if you throw out a Robinson or a Hero or both, you'd probably have to go with both of them. But I, I think that's worth it in the long haul. Because you still have Bam, and I, I think... Tyler Hero is just way overrated at this point for his potential because just the way he performed in the bubble, he didn't even perform that well late in the finals in the bubble. I just think everybody has overrated him well, and put him on this pedestal. Look, he's Peyton Pritchard light. Let's not pretend like it's anything different than that. He's Peyton Pritchard light. Yeah, I I think I totally agree. I mean, I I think I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think he's better than Peyton Pritchard right now, but. I don't think that's that's much of yeah. a debate. I mean, Peyton Pritchard's also getting 23 minutes a game, and he's playing pretty well in those 23 minutes a game. But I I, uh, I think I think I could see Peyton Pritchard becoming very overrated by the NBA community at the end of this year. Much oh, much very like quickly, Tyler very Hero. quickly. So oh, it's gonna be great though. What are you talking about? It's gonna no, be a fun I, ride. I'm here for it. But I, I I just think Tyler Hero is. If you're a, the Miami Heat, I am much more willing to part with him than the fan base of the general NBA would be. Uh, so I put Miami at two right now. I. Th- All right, we got three more to go: Portland, Miami, no, Portland, Boston, and Philadelphia. We got three more to go. We've hit our thirty-minute minimum, so we're good. We're just flowing at this point. Who's three? This is where it gets kind of tough because I think. Boston could be three or they could be five. It just depends because I I don't think there's a lot there in terms of young pieces after Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and I don't know if it's worth parting with those guys because... I don't think it is. I I personally don't think it is, and I don't think that James Harden really fits what Brad Stevens wants to do. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and I think other than if you're keeping those two guys, they don't have much of a package they can present. So I think I think with three, I'm going to lean Portland here, honestly, because McCollum... Is an easy ship out, I think, and when you're bringing in James Harden, you know he can go. And I think Gary Trent Jr. is appealing to Houston. And if you throw Anthony Simons in, a couple other young guys, Derek Jones Jr., whatever, I, th- I think they can create a decent package. I don't think it compares to a Brooklyn package or Miami package. But I think it's a solid package, and I think – Harden fits pretty well with Portland. He just becomes C.J. McCollum, that role, except much, much better at that and can actually – is really reliable. Also, another thing that people are not mentioning when it comes to James Harden to Portland deal, how much would that help Damian Lillard to have another guy who can handle the ball when he when Dame wants to play off ball, another guy who's demanding a double team? We see teams meet Dame with two at half court. That wouldn't be able to happen anymore. So, but I think both of them. Yeah, I think that team would be an easy title contender. Um, I think, I think one of the things that makes it so like the just a major upgrade. Like I think if you're looking at it from a Brooklyn perspective, 
you're it's it's an upgrade, but you lose a lot of depth. I think Portland doesn't have to lose a ton of depth. I think they can get away with, I mean, Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons doesn't really play that much, if I'm correct. He hasn't, but he was coming off of something. Also, another guy that I think could be a really interesting guy to possibly throw into a trade deal could be like a Nasir Little. A guy who has crazy athleticism, crazy young, he's only 20 years old, has a lot of potential in him, has a great jump shot, just has been injured and hasn't been on the floor. No, yeah, and like, like I know Little's been injured, but he's averaging eight minutes a game in the one game he played, and Simon's averaging eleven minutes a game. So these are not huge losses if you're Portland, mm-hmm. and they're still attractive young pieces. So I think Portland could benefit. I think they honestly benefit their most from a a Harden deal. I mean, I know everybody can say Brooklyn, like that big three is super cool, but you're just essentially upgrading. You're just upgrading McCollum and Gary Trent for James Harden, which is definitely worth it. And then I think. At four, you gotta go. <sighs> I went Boston at four because they at least have pieces that can be offered. Philly really doesn't. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that's a very fair assumption. I Philly just has nothing if they if they won't give up Ben Simmons. Like they have Tobias Harris, but he's twenty eight, so that's not really appealing. If, if I'm Houston, so I, I think that's the five. I think that's the order that I would go with. I mean, do you have any gripes with that order? No, it makes total sense to me, and I like how we turned Harden Watch from a five-minute segment to a 15-minute segment. Yeah, wow, that was actually like 20 minutes. Now we're over time, or not over, but... Yeah, we are. I mean, no, we, we hit the minimum. Exactly, exactly. Well, that comes to the end of the show. Wow, that was 20 minutes talking James Harden. Um, Sam, anything else you want to add before we leave? Yeah, man, like, I think we nailed it. <laughs> okay, especially with no prep. That was pretty good. Um... I know. Uh, go Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Go Hawks. That might not age well tomorrow when this is released. Might be a really bad look tomorrow. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, 12, I'm, I'm cool with the regular season record right now. 12-4 is good. Just NFC NFC Conference Championship or less or more, more is good with me. Then that's a decent season. But we're going to have to take care of you. We're going to have to take care of the Saints before then, though. I, I, I feel like confident. I feel confident against the Saints. I think it would I think Saints feel Saints feel fake. I don't I know think why. The Saints, the Packers, and the Seahawks all feel really fake to me. Like anyone So you're saying so you're saying that Tampa Bay is gonna be the is gonna take all right, we're talking yeah, football. True. We gotta I was gonna say they also feel fake, <laughs> but uh that's enough football. Uh Sam good as always. Everybody else, have a great week. Go watch some basketball, go watch some NFL playoffs today and tomorrow or yesterday and today since we're putting this out tomorrow but yeah have a great week everybody of course and as always follow my man here at lapatty ball follow me at samuel 101 follow sunday morning hoops wherever you follow your podcasts you'll get it there it'll be up sunday morning every sunday all right okay later guys